This morning is going to be a little different sermon than you're used to hearing me preach. Uh, a lot of folks ask me, preacher? You know, I've been preaching since I was 11 years old. That's when I used to preach in my dad's churches that he had himself. And I've been preaching at uh, churches since 1987. Figure that up. That's a long time ago, isn't it? So there's been a lot of sermons preached through the years. And people always ask me, where do you get your thoughts? Where do you know what scripture to go to? Well, one of the things I think when you're doing your best to do God's will, God leads you. Amen? And he points you to where uh, you need to be, what scriptures you need to share. Well, there was a sermon that God sort of wanted me to preach about a year ago or so, or in that neighborhood. Uh, but right at that time, I was still struggling with everything that he had taught me and everything that he had uh, shared with me. So today, you're all going to be the first to hear this. You're my church family. Sheila knows about it. She doesn't know all about it, so you're probably going to hear her cry a little bit or back there in a little bit. I told her not to, but, you know, that's not, uh, not, not going to work very well. And a lot of folks have asked me why I've changed. Well, you're going to figure that out, I think, <laughs> this morning during the Scripture. Revelations chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. God is good all the time. All the time. And the Word of God says, After this I looked... And there was before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And, one, and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby a rainbow that shone like an emerald and encircled the throne. This time I'd like to go to God in prayer. Nick, would you lead us in a word of prayer? Amen. You may be seated. I heard, I heard first speaking to me like a trumpet sound. Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At the crossroads in 2023. At the crossroads in 2023. Over Metcalf County... We have the world-famous crossroads. Y'all know where that is, right? I guarantee you Hunter does, because he's there every day, don't you, Hunter? The crossroads. Now, the crossroads is an interesting place to be. When you pull up to the crossroads, you have to decide which way to go, right? Now, if you turn left, you're going to wind up in Berksville from when you're coming from Edmonton. If you turn right, you're going to wind up in Glasgow, if you go straight across, you're going to go to Tompkinsville. Now, you know something? If you make any wrong turns, you're going to go for a while before you figure out which way you're going, right? And I've known a lot of people that's done that. A lot of folks wanted to go to T-ville, and they wound up in Glasgow. Or a lot of folks wanted to go to Glasgow and wind up over at Burksville. That's just what happens when you're at a crossroads. Well, I truly believe today we are at a crossroads when we think about the world today. Amen. We're at a crossroads. Where are we? Where do we stand? What does the future look like? Debbie did a great job of talking about what the future may hold and having the grace and understanding of God's wisdom. We talked a whole lot about that this morning in our Sunday school class as well. But what does the future look like? We're at a crossroads, I believe, today, and I've said this more, more and more every Sunday, seems like, we need more of God today than ever before. Amen? 
And the only way we're going to figure out which way to go in this world is to truly believe and have faith and trust in God. I truly believe today that God is alive and well. Amen? I believe He is. I believe He's all around about us. I still believe in that Holy Trinity, right? The Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. That Holy Spirit that leads, guides, and directs us. That is with us every day of our lives. We're at that crossroads, though. There's a lot of folks that says that's not true. There's a lot of people say that God's not real. There's a lot of folks say that what you're experiencing, you're experiencing that all by yourself. That it's only by your power that you're able to do things. It's only by your knowledge that you are able to be smart enough to do things. It's only by your will that these things happen in your life. But I truly believe today that God is the one that gives us what we need. And God is truly for real. I also believe today that heaven is for real. Amen? Let's try that again. I really believe today that heaven is for real. Amen? Now, society's going to tell you that's not right. Society's at a crossroads, aren't they? They're trying to define what heaven is. They're trying to say this is what the formula is. This is where heaven is going to be. You have to do this and that and the other. And it's not, no way it could be possible because you can't figure it out. You can't understand what it is. You can't buy a ticket and you can't just do all those type of things. And a lot of folks would say, though, heaven is not for real. Well, I truly believe today that heaven is for real, right? But I also believe on the other end of the spectrum, hell is for real, right? Hell is for real. A lot of folks say, oh, preacher, God wouldn't send people to that terrible place. God wouldn't do that to them. You talk about God being love all the time. How can God love you and send you to a place? Well, I truly believe that God gives us chances after chances after chances. What? After chances to change our life. He gives us all of those chances. And I don't know about you, but I thank God and praise God today for those chances. Amen? Where would you be without those? But God gives you that chance. But because of that, I truly believe that hell is for real. Hell is something that is there if folks don't turn their heart and life over to God. Well, preacher, how do you know that? How do you know heaven is for real? How do you know hell is for real? Well, you know, I've, first of all, I believe heaven and hell is for real because I've heard it all my life. I've heard it preached. You've heard it preached. Over in Matthew 24, beginning with verse 13, it says, But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and that will come to an end, and it will come. I was born on April 13, 1967. Figure that up real quick. Y'all smart people. You're going to figure out how old I am, aren't you? That's okay. That's 55 years ago. I'm six months younger than a woman that loves me more than anything. Right, honey bunny? That was a long time ago. April the 13th, 1967 was on a Thursday. Praise God it wasn't on a Friday the 13th. That'd be a scary preacher then, right? right? <laughs> but that was on a Thursday. April the 13th, 1967. You know what April the 16th, 1967? You know what day that was on? That was on a Sunday. 
Guess where I was? I was at church. Mom and dad, no matter what, would take me to church. And you know, I was there on when I was what? Three days old, four days old? I was there when I was a week old. I was there for my first birthday and my second birthday. And it wasn't a question of, do we go to church? Are we going to church? I don't think I ever said that word to mom and dad. I may have. Oh, I've been bad. If I looked at dad and said, are we going to church? I don't think I ever said that. Because I just knew what. I was going to church. Church doors were open. We were going to church. Now you might say, well, your dad was a preacher. That means you're supposed to go to church. Well, no, I, I believe that when we turn our heart and life over to God, you should enjoy wanting to go to church, right? Wanting to go to church. Now, when I was younger, I remember going, and, and it was always interesting, and Randy could tell you this as well, being the preacher's kid, because your dad would be preaching, and your dad would just look at you, you know, Think about being two or three years old or four or five and you're doing the two and three, four and five things in the pews, you know, and you're running around in the pews and you're saying some things you shouldn't say or, you know, making faces you shouldn't say. My dad could just look at me from the pew and I would know, oh, bad news. And I would sit down. But after a while, not only did I go to church, I started understanding what dad was preaching about when I went to church. A lot of folks say, Brother Paul, kids shouldn't be in church. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't. They, 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 they're disruptive. We can't hear. Blah, 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 blah. No, I believe that God's, what did God say? Bring the little what? Good kids to me. The kids that don't make any noise to me. No, he said what? Bring the little children unto me. And I thank God for those years. But after a while, I started hearing what Dad was preaching about. And I'd hear Dad talk, start talking about heaven and start talking about hell. And I remember thinking to myself, where is that place? What, what does it look like? What's going on there? Who's there? How do I understand something that I can't see? How do I understand something, a place that I can't drive to? How do I understand things that I don't know anybody that's really went there that's come back to tell me about it, right? And I remember hearing that Sunday after Sunday and revivals and all of these different things, and I'd hear it all the time. How many times have you heard that preached on in your life? You had to get out the calculator, wouldn't you? How many times you've heard heaven or hell preached about? And, and so often over the years, we just become what? A little tone death, don't we? Don't hear it anymore. We've heard it so much. I truly believe today that God is going to come back. Amen? I can't tell you when. And you've heard that for years too, haven't you? He's coming back. Well, I've always said it and people always snicker, but I truly believe this is true. It's closer now than ever before. Amen? He's coming back. And you hear that preached. You don't hear it preached as much as you used to hear it preached, but you hear it preached and you... You, you sometimes hear heaven and you also hear hell preached on. But over the years, it's drastically, slowly and surely, we've drifted away from hearing too much about that. So how else do I believe it? I also believe it because the Bible tells me so. I still believe in the Bible as being our roadmap as Christians. 
And the Bible is the inspired word of God. And there's not a single thing in the Bible that's there by mistake, is there? The Bible is something perfect. The Bible is something as we as Christians need to look at and truly believe that's in our hearts and our lives. Well, over in Revelations 21, 1, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. So what does the Scripture say? There's a place called heaven, right? There's a place that that God has prepared for you and for me. When you think about heaven, what comes to your mind? It's hard to describe something you've never seen. And you've only, what? Heard about it. And what others have told you about it. And what you've read in the scriptures about it. You've heard about those type of things. And people have all, I, when I was a young boy, I used to sing Golden Streets to Walk Upon. I remember that. Bell, I'm on a ring. Brand new angel in that choir. I want to hear her sing. So to me as a young boy, heaven was just this place with a bunch of gold on the ground, right? And a beautiful choir that you could hear sing. And a mansion that he has built for me. But it's hard to wrap your head around it. What would, what would you, how would you describe or give a definition of what heaven is all about? How can you describe a place where there's no more pain? Praise God to that, right? No more sorrow. Praise God for that. A place where you are reunified with all the ones that have went on before. A place where you don't have to seek God. He's what? He's already there. A place where you don't have to worry about the light because the light of God is what's going to be shining down upon you. A place where you will feel like you've never felt before. A place that you have free perfect freedom, perfect peace. And guess what? You don't have to worry anymore. And in heaven, there's some big things, and I say this a lot of times at funerals as well, but think about in heaven, there's no more hospitals. In hospitals, there's no more doctors. Sorry, Josh. But in heaven, there's no more pharmacies. In heaven, there's no more need for medicine. In heaven, it's just a perfect what? Place. A place that you can't define. A place that gives you that peace. And some people say, well, Brother Paul, why don't everybody want to go there? That's what I can't figure out, amen? Why does not everybody want to make sure that they're ready to go there? Why why not? Well, there's still some doubt. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Guarantee you won't have much more doubt, okay? But some folks say, well, there's, there's some doubt. There's some things that I don't understand. Well, okay. Well, then the Scripture says, well, there's some other place. Over Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 28, it says, 
But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now hell, you know all those wonderful things I just said about heaven? Just reverse them. <laughs> just turn them all the way around. That's, that's that place where you'll never have a peaceful moment. Well, Brother Paul, how do you know that? Well, praise God I haven't been there. Amen. Praise God you haven't been there. Amen. Praise God that you don't have to think about that as a Christian every day of your life, but thank God you know that in God's Word it tells us that there is a place that's exactly opposite than the place that you want to be in that place called heaven. And it's a place where you can't define it. Scripture says you have to make sure that every part of your body is in tune with God. If not, then that place called hell could be in your future. I'm afraid to say it, but there's a whole lot of people today, people that you may not even believe is true, that may wake up one of these days in a place called hell. Why? Because they don't make a choice either way. They don't make that decision either way. They don't turn their heart and life over to God. They just continually live. Some folks say, well, Brother Paul, this world is just in and I want to end. Well, I don't know. Not what I believe. I believe this world is just what? Preparing you for the next. Getting you ready for the next. Your next stop is either what? Heaven or hell. There's no in-between. There's no place they just send you to be, you know, waiting to decide what you do. You're deciding that right now in how you live your life and what decisions you make in your life. You're, to, you're making that decision, that place called heaven. Praise be to God, the ones of you that have made that decision and turned your heart and life over to God, you, you punched your ticket to that place called heaven. Amen? <laughs> Isn't that great? There's some folks that will look you right in the eye and say, well, yes, I made that decision. Maybe not. I've always said you need to make sure you're saved and you're what? Saved for sure. And maybe you need to add another sure in that statement. Well, that's good, Brother Paul. You've heard it preached and Scripture says it. But how do you know it? How do you, how do you really, really know it? This is a part of the Scripture the sermon that I, I struggled with pre- preaching and told God I really didn't want to do it. Because there's a lot of, I don't want this to sound like I'm better than anybody else because I believe I serve the same God as you do. I believe I, the same God that's that Holy, Spirit, uh, Holy Trinity and that Holy Spirit is the same God that's with me and you every day. And what God has done for me, I guarantee you, do the same for you. And I told God, I, I really don't want to preach this. It's, you know, it, it's hard for people to understand it. What I'm going to tell you, I saw, and I still don't understand, things that just were confusing to me. And I'm a preacher. And I've been preaching since when? I was 11 years old. And having a church since I was in 1987. I always believed in God and believed in heaven and believed in hell. But I, 
I had heard it. I had read it. But I'd never seen it. I'd never experienced anything. I believe in heaven and hell today because God gave me a little peek of it. On October the 11th, I went in for open heart surgery down at Vanderbilt. They told Sheila and I, when we got down there, you know, I had this great thought. I, you know, when we went over to T.J. Sampson, I thought I'd go over and get a couple stints and come back home. And then the doctor gave me that great look, we're not going back home, we're going to Nashville. And then when I got down to Nashville, the doctor gave me that great look and he says, it don't look good for you. And they called me in, called Sheila in the room and told me and we was able to have the kids down for just a little while. And the doctor looked at me and said, we're going to do open heart surgery. It don't look good at all. Not sure if you'll make it, but we're going to do our very best. We're going to do it as quick as we can, and we're going to have the open heart surgery. And, you know, I don't know. You ever, you ever felt like you're just living a dream? You ever, you ever felt like that before? That's, that's what, I know Sheila was living every moment of it and having to deal with all of it. She was dealing with everything. I remember Sheila and I talking one night, and she looked at me. She says, honey, are we going to have a home to go back to? And I said, well, what do you mean, honey? She says, are we going to have enough money to pay the bills? What's this going to cost? What, what's this going to look like? And right then, we just had to stop and pray and talk to God and ask for God's guidance. And I remember how, how rough that was. And I remember the day of the surgery, thinking to myself, this is it. This is it. They did the surgery. I don't know how long I was in there. There's one great thing about having major surgery. You don't realize when it's going on. Everybody else is waiting on you. <laughs> You're just out. And I remember towards the end of that, I was in this dark, dark tunnel. Now, y'all stay with me. You're going to say the preacher's lost his mind, but you stay with me, okay? I was in this long, dark tunnel, and I could see a light at the other end of that tunnel. And I could hear one voice at the other end of that tunnel. You wonder who that was? That was my mama. My mama was telling me, come on, honey. And I remember that feeling. Oh, it's a feeling like I had never felt before in my life. Some people say, Brother Paul, I'm at peace. No, you're not peace yet. Let me tell you. I didn't have a care in the world. Nothing was hurting. I was breathing good. I wasn't worried about nothing. Nothing was concerning me. Everything was just out there in front of me. And I remember hearing Mom saying, Honey, come on home. And I remember getting closer and closer and closer to the end of that light. And all of a sudden, on the other end, I heard somebody else. I heard Sheila saying, don't go yet. Don't, don't go yet. And I, that was a struggle. A struggle. Next thing I know, <laughs> this is how bad your preacher is. Y'all can go tell people this. Randy and Karen, I think some of the rest of you know this, but I pulled out my breathing tube. I was done with it. Done with it. The nurse came in there and started yelling and screaming at me. What are you, what are you doing? You can't pull that out. You can't pull it out. I said, I'm going to talk to my wife. I'm going to talk to my wife now. And they got her and brought her into the room. And I remember the next day I was sitting in the room and all of a sudden my mind started coming back to me. 
And I started remembering that place that I was at and how beautiful mom's voice sound and how peaceful it seemed to me and how wonderful that place seemed to me. And I thought to myself, you know what? Heaven is for real. Heaven is truly, 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 truly for real. And I remember, I was afraid to tell Sheila. (laughs) I was afraid she'd say, oh boy, it's finally happened. You went nuts. I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. I looked at her the next day and I told her and she said, well, you need to share that with the church. I said, no, no, not not yet. not, Not yet. It's all good. I thought everything was great. Because, you know, when I was down at the hospital, I'd see these people come into the hospital. They'd be there two or three days. Guess what they got to do? They got to go home. I tell you what's depressing when you're in the hospital is when you're laying there and all these people are going home and you're still what? Laying there. And after a few days later, let me get my dates right here. In October, on October the 25th, doctor came in a day before that or two and said not working Paul that pump we put in you is just not doing it your heart's not beating on its own we're going to try something different you got an infection in there too we're going to do something else once again I got that great speech what was it probably not going to make it we're not sure what's going to happen we're not sure what it's going to look like all we know is got to do something. Once again, I was sort of in that dream place. There's not a single signature at Nashville at Vanderbilt Hospital that has my name on it. Sheila signed everything that was down there. You talk about pressure. <laughs> it's a little pressure. She signed them all. Doctor said, we're going to take you in. We're going to put some pumps, some different things. We're going to try to find a way to keep you alive. I said, okay, Doc. Knock me out again. Woo! You think the first thing I just told you is hard to understand? Wait till you hear about this one. This time there was a big light at the end of that tunnel. But the end of the tunnel, guess who I got to see? I got to see my mama. I got to see my daddy. I got to see Sheila's mom. I got to see Sheila's grandpa. I got to see others in my family that I knew that was in heaven. And I looked up and I saw all these other people. God wouldn't let me see all their faces. But I feel like there was a whole lot of people that a lot of you all know was the ones I was looking at. And I saw them all. And I saw mom. And mom was talking to me. And dad was talking to me. And telling me how being how beautiful this place was and how that if I came on that I'd be able to see God and I'd be able to, to have all of these things and, and everything would be good just to come on, just come on, come on. And I remember mom just stretching out her hand and dad stretching out her hand and wanting me to grab a hold of it and to, to be there with them. But I could still feel Sheila and hear her talking to me and telling me that she needed me. And I know all of you all were praying during that time for me as well. Oh boy, 
I'd never felt anything like that before. People say, preacher, you've changed. Well, guess what? I don't worry too much more, no more about stuff. Don't stress out too much about stuff because you know why? Because I know what it feels like on the other side for just a little while. They woke me up. This time I didn't pull out the breathing tube for eight hours. I think it was just them teaching me a lesson. You shouldn't have pulled it out the first time. For eight hours, I had to lay flat on my back with nothing to drink, nothing to eat, with the breathing tube in my mouth. Couldn't speak, couldn't do anything. Just had to lay there. Sheila thought I got pretty smart. I started, they wouldn't give me pencil paper. I guess they thought I'd do something with, I don't know. But she'd come over and I would write on her arm, water, <laughs> help. And I would, this went on and on and on. And they'd come in and they'd say, they'd say, well, we're going to have to wait just a little longer. It's going to be okay. They finally took it out, and I thought, well, this is great. I'm, I'm done with this. Praise be to God, I've seen heaven, and I've seen my mama, and I've seen my daddy, and I've seen my family, and I know what heaven is, and I'm not going to worry about anything anymore. Everything's set and ready to go. Then I woke completely up and had them big boxes down there with these tubes all over the place and all these other things that was everywhere, and I went, oh, Lord. I came back for this? Came back for this? Well, the doctor came in and told me that we were going to have to do something else. We were going to have to have a heart transplant. Now, a heart transplant to me meant, and be honest now, it's okay to say it. A heart transplant, I mean, to me, that's, that's the Hail Mary, right? I'd never known anybody that ever made it through one. I, the doctor looked at me one day and he said, do you want to have a heart transplant? you want to try something else? I said, well, what else is there? And he said, well, we can do this, we can do that other thing. They tried all them other things. And she'll right from the beginning, she kept telling me, get the heart transplant. Just, just go ahead and get the heart. God's got this. I'm going to tell you all something. Your preacher's wife's got a lot more faith than your preacher does. That's scary, ain't it? Go ahead. Go ahead. God's got you. And I remember finally telling the doctor, okay. Now, I was wondering, I didn't want to really say it out loud. Okay, I've been down that dark tunnel with the light at the other end. Okay, and I've seen a little bit, just a 1%, probably less of 1% what heaven looks like and what it feels like. I wonder what this one's going to be. I just loved it. There was a night when all the tornadoes was coming through Bowling Green and Western Kentucky and all these places, that's when I was going in for the heart transplant that night. They wouldn't let Sheila stay. They ran everybody out of the hospital. You know what they do to you in the hospital when there's a tornado on the way? Anybody been there? There's a warning, the siren's going off, and they're telling you. They just close the curtains and move you away from the window. That's all they do. And they kept coming in there and saying, I was, I was a little restless. Well, think about it. Somebody's getting ready to what? Take your heart out. A little restless, and they would come in and say, Now, Mr. Mills, you, you're going to you're gonna have to calm down. You've got to calm down. You've got to calm down. 
Finally, they took me. I don't know how long it was. Sheila said it was a day or so. I don't know how long it was. But this time it was different. You know, I, I told you that heaven is for real. Amen? Woo, hell is too. Because now when I woke up after the heart transplant, I got a little glimpse of what that is. For the next three days, oh, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I saw Sheila dying. I saw terrible things from I've been through in my life, all flashing through in my life. I saw bugs crawling everywhere. I don't want to tell you everything. Or you might call somebody and they'll come down here and send me down to Western State today or something. But I saw everything. It was just unbelievable to me what, what was there. And I, I remember yelling and screaming. And there were two people that I hollered for. Andy Griffith. Won't come and save me. And Bobby Maxwell. Only two. And I'd holler for him. Come and get me. Come and save me. And I remember popping out of it for a few minutes and then I'd go right back down there. Saw Sheila have a terrible wreck in, in Nashville. Saw all kinds of things. And I remember waking up from that. And it was simply amazing when I woke up after those three days of whew, just being out there. But all of a sudden, the light switch came on. And the nurses came in and they said, Mr. Mills, remember what you've been through the last few days? And I said, yes, I do. And they said, no, you don't. You're not supposed to remember any of that. Well, Sheila, as you know, always carries a little book. She's got it back there with her, guarantee. She wrote down everything that I had said and all the situations that I had said, and I rambled them all off. And the nurses looked at me and went, what in the world? You remember all that? Yes. Praise be to God, I didn't go to hell, but I sure know what it feels like. So today, what do you get? We all said we were at a crossroads at 2023. Amen? I want you to know something. Don't worry. Know this. That if you've turned your heart and life over to God, heaven is awaiting you. Now, there's going to be things you're going to miss in this world. There's going to be things you wish you never had to leave behind. But I want you to know something. This old preacher, if you've ever believed anything I've ever told you, since I've been preaching to you all these years, heaven is for real. It's in, I heard it preached all my life. It's in the wonderful Bible that we read out of. And I've also experienced it with my eyes. Today, if you've not had heaven in your home, why not? Why would you not? Why would you not decide to yourself today, heaven is where I want to be? Because not only is it for you, it's for others. It's a waiting for you, right? People's waiting to be reunited with you again. People that want to see and feel your presence. Some people say, well, Brother Paul... 
I've heard that people don't know you when you're in heaven. Well, I don't know. My mama looked awful good. Her hair was fixed just like a Saturday before she went to church on Sunday morning. And others there looked as good as they ever did. And I knew what they looked like. And there is no doubt in my mind I wouldn't do anything ever to make sure I didn't experience that one more time. Maybe God let me come back so that you would hear that you need to get some things straight. Maybe God let me come back to let you hear that heaven is for real because I guarantee you something. I don't need to preach on hell anymore. Because let me tell you, you don't want to hear about it. You don't want to experience about it. You don't want to feel what that is. But today, what's so great about this is that this. God never gives up on you, does he? Some people say, well, Brother Paul, when can God save you? I believe God can save you anytime he wants to. I believe he can save you anywhere he wants to. I believe God can be with you all the time, as we've already talked about that. Some people say, well, Brother Paul, you know, some people are Christians for years and they get to go to heaven. Why do some people, why do some people only are Christian for just a little bit of time and they get to go to heaven too? Let me tell you what, God loves the long-term Christians and God loves the short-term Christians, doesn't he? And heaven is awaiting for each and every one of them. Today, you know, I I love it when I go back down to Vanderbilt now and my blood pressure is really good at home. Does, Does good. She takes it. It's good. I get down there in the hospital and they take my blood pressure and they go, your blood pressure's a little high, Mr. Mills. You, you feeling okay? And I always want to say, but I don't say it, but we're a church family, right? I'm, I always want to say, I just don't like you all. <laughs> I don't like being here. I don't like the way it smells. I don't like the noises that are there. I don't like any of these things. I just don't. I just, I just don't. And my blood pressure goes up because of that. I don't know. Hopefully we might experience that again. But if I do, I know that God's there with me. So the altar call today is this. I can't save you. I want you to know that. I can't make the decision for you. But I can tell you this much. You need to make sure you make the right decision. You need to make sure that your heart and life is right with God. And if it's not, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to stand before this church today and come before this church because you know what? You're around a bunch of sinners that's just saved by grace, right? Don't be ashamed to come up and pray and ask God to come into your heart and into your life because you're going to have people all of a sudden that's just going to let you know how much they love you and care for you and just want to be together with you in heaven someday. So today is the day for you to make that decision in your heart, and in your life. So whatever God has talked to you about today, in whatever direction, you may leave here today and go, oh, preacher, you need therapy. No, I don't. I just need more of God, I guess. More of God's presence in my life. Whatever God has talked to you about today, we invite you to come as we have our closing song. Good morning.